ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You found The Salty Pastor, a podcast designed to coach you in growing in your faith. We are here to help you go deeper into the Bible and understand what is actually happening and what is being said and how to understand what is written and to who and why it is written, exploring the historical context as well as the basic views of reality. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host and our guide and very own salty pastor, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, thank you everyone for having me today. I'm here to help you. But before we get started, my wife sent this bag. Uh, for, for it those says of you pure with, joy on it. Yes, for those of you just listening, it is a yeah. teal bag. And I don't know what it, I do not know what's in it. So what is in it, Jesse? Pull I, something out. This one has your name on it. Okay. Oh, looks like some kind of shirt here. Look, does look like a shirt. Yeah, it's a shirt here. My wife got you and me shirts, I guess, huh? So okay, here we go. It's a shirt, and it. I wonder what it says. It says on it, hashtag. Check this out. Hashtag salty. Hashtag salty. (laughs) Hey, I bet if you guys want a hashtag salty shirt, I bet you could get one. I bet you could. We could so probably make that a the thing. The Salty Pastor now has, has what merch. do you merch? Is we that have what a merch line? We have a merch line. Oh goodness, this is so ridiculously absurd. <laughs> but hey, we're having a good time, and it's good to be having a good time today because we are on the subject of joy, aren't we? Not. <laughs> we are. It's good to be happy, and today we're going to be continuing our talk on joy. We're in the study of the Book of Philippians, and it's all about growing a healthy attitude of perpetual joy. We're calling it hashtag blessed as Mm -hmm. you can see on the if you're watching i guess on the banners if you're listening imagine something awesome um (laughs) we did an in-depth study of the second half of the chapter two in philippians on tuesday um there we discussed the basic biblical principles on how to raise your baseline attitude in order to live in joy every day the higher your joy baseline the more joy you live in each and every day. So you want to give us a little recap? Yeah, uh, we did an in-depth Bible study, uh, verses 12 to the end of the chapter, uh, Philippians 2. Paul tells us that the the main way we live in joy every day is we raise that baseline. And one of the ways you do it is you eliminate things that create a downward pull on your baseline. And these are what uh, I call negatives. The list that we came up with, we just went verse by verse by verse. And number one is if you don't take your faith seriously, he said, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So take it seriously. Number two, uh, he says, God is to will it to work into you in you for his good pleasure. So the second thing is that people ignore God is working within them for a purpose. Number three, he talks about grumbling and complaining. Don't do that because it's a it's a downward pull on your baseline. Arguing and disputing, getting in arguments and disputes and fights, uh, pull down your your joy. Overly friendly with the culture around you. He says when we get too immersed in the culture, we spend more time trying to enjoy the benefits of the culture than what our real purpose in life is. Guess what? We're not going to be raising that baseline of joy. And then finally, not holding firm to the word of life or to what the scriptures teach as true reality. So that's kind of the list we came up with. And if we don't avoid these things, we're going to find ourselves missing out on a a joy filled life every single day. Well, let's get really practical. So why are we so susceptible to these tendencies and what makes them so attractive to us that we're just choosing to dabble in them regularly? (laughs) 
Well, here's where we see the uh, practical influence of postmodern philosophy. You know, postmodern philosophy, people is like, hmm, I've heard of that. I'm not sure it's good. And I, I, I stated before, uh, people may not realize it or actually know what it is and how it influences, but basically it's a way of thinking. It's a process of thinking. And most people are not aware that they've been taught to think in this manner. Uh, case in point, this is how it plays out in a practical way, is that a lot of people are like, I don't like being, you know, negative. I want to be joyful. So I'm going to eliminate negative people and I'm only going to spend time with positive people. Now, I understand that, but you're taught in a way to think you're, you're not challenging. How did I come to that conclusion? You just focus on, okay, which, which one of my friends are negative? Oh, that oh, negative Ned, Start he's cutting gone. cutting them out of yeah, your Yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with that. And then, oh, that person over there is, is negative. And, and then if you're really a stickler about it, I think you could probably end up eliminating everybody. And the reason why is because everybody is negative at times. Some point. At yes. some point. Everybody has a bad mood. So the thing about it is even you have a bad mood. So the way of thinking is uh, postmodern thinking is, is that, well, my truth is the most important truth. I'm writing my own narrative. And if I can just eliminate, so if I can eliminate all that stuff, my truth will even be better and I'll be happier. But actually that doesn't work because if you really want to be joyful, you need to move from being influenced by people to influencing people when they are in a bad mood and it's being loyal to friends and it's being committed to your close, close relationships that make joy really possible in your life. So there's an article that uh, came from the Atlantic. Uh, the Atlantic is a journal and it tends to be pretty progressive or leftist in its ideology. And what's interesting is there's a author who writes uh, regularly and about life and meaning. And what was really interesting is he's been he wrote a while back, a few years back about how come we are living in the most affluent and wealthiest society in the history of the world. But people are less happy than ever before. And in the article, he says the reason why is because we spend time focusing and pursuing the wrong things. And see that uh, what a postmodern way of thinking does is it gets you thinking in a way that you end up chasing or pursuing the wrong things. And the author uh, of this article writes that. And he kind of explains how the biggest problem that we have is pursuing things that are not, uh, I guess I wouldn't say good for us, but they basically pull us down and they, they lower that baseline. Uh, for instance, um, I was in a conversation with a 21-year-old gal, okay. and she was, this was pre-COVID, okay? So this is probably well, almost a year ago, not quite a year ago. And what was really interesting is she was explaining to me how anxiety was just the number one challenge in her life. And I asked her to kind of explain it a little bit. And she said, well, 
I, I, it just it just hovers over me. I'm in a room full of people and I feel isolated and alone. I, I wake up in the morning and I feel uh, sad and depressed for no reason at all. You know, and I don't know why. Now, here's a young lady who's never suffered war. She's never suffered poverty. She's never suffered a needing or wanting for any physical need. She had access to education and limitless entertainment opportunities. She has technology that allows her to reach out through social media or a phone, talk to anybody at any time for any reason. She has the freedom of transportation to pursue any type of friendship or goal that she has. But she's telling me that anxiety controls her life. It haunts her and it negatively impacts her every single day. Now, this is really hard to hear, but it's a truth statement. And that is, I have such compassion on this young lady. It just breaks my heart that this is what is struggling. But if I use a, a worldview construct, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have empathy for her and then say, what? You know, uh, well, we love you. You know, God loves you. It will get better. And it never does. Right never gets better for her because here's the truth. The truth is you've bought into a way of thinking that the world has conditioned you to think. And because of that, you are pursuing things that are non-essential. You're pursuing meaningless things. And that's why your life is filled with anxiety and sadness because you have a meaningless existence. Now that's a truth statement. And the one thing that people who are hurting often say is, I don't want to hear truth statements. I want to hear compassion statements. But compassion statements don't help you. They don't do anything to reorient you because you've bought into a way of thinking that is a lie. And if you don't change the way of thinking, then you're always going to end up with the exact same experience in your life. You're running into the same wall over and over, over again, and expecting over. a different result. <laughs> yeah, and our society propagates, it instills within us this way of thinking. And this way of thinking results in a downward trending attitude about life. It's a downward trending baseline about your relationships. You know, I look at people today and they are more cynical of relationships. They're more negative of their relationships. They're negative about their marriage because it's not what they want. They're negative about their singlehood. You know, they're not happy because they're single and they have no one to date. They find someone to date. They're not happy with their boyfriend or their girlfriend because it's not where it should be or whatever. Uh, when they break up with them, they're not happy. Then they finally fall in love and they get married. You see, they keep regressing to that baseline of right. unhappiness. People have a job. Oh, I, I'm, un, I'm not happy because I don't have a job. I'm, ha I'm not happy because I don't have a job. And then they get a job and well, I don't like this job because it doesn't meet my expectations. And so then they quit their job and then they can't find the job and then they want this job and it always got to be a different job. And you see, it's like, but they always regress to that. They are unhappy. I, I don't have enough money. You know, people are so unhappy. And it's interesting, like that guy was pointing out in that Atlantic article, why is it that we're in the most affluent opportunity rich society in the history of the world not just in the 21st century but the history of the world and yet we are more unhappy than ever before it's because we have been taught a way of thinking that produces this negativity in our lives it's not just about our relationships it's about other human beings you know you look at our political discourse and you look at what's going on and 
it's interesting is that it's no longer I disagree with this person. I think that their their approach to governance is wrong and it's going to have negative effects. It's now that person disagrees with me. So they're the devil and they need to be destroyed and violence against them is fine. Violence in political discourse is never fine. It's always evil because it's intimidation. It's totalitarian. It's fascist. It's whatever you want to call it. It's always wrong, always will be wrong. Uh, and yet that's what our American society is adopting now, that it's OK to commit violence. It's OK to cheat and lie and do whatever you want to get your political ends met. No, that's just plain wrong. It's always going to be wrong. And all it's going to do is produce a society that's more and more angry and more and more negative and more and more unhappy. And ultimately, this comes to the fact is that we are negative towards God. Our way of thinking, right, has put God in a position where we are angry with him, we're disappointed with him, we're upset with him, we don't want to believe in him, we're, we doubt him, and we somehow think this hurts God, right? Right. Oh, oh no, okay, I don't believe in you, God. <laughs> well, if there is a God, do you think that really makes any difference? No. <laughs> no. It doesn't make any difference to God because God is, 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 there's a purity, a perfection, an unchangeable, it's called immutableness about him right? Consequently, your feelings about God, your beliefs about God are, are absolutely irrelevant in the whole reality of the universe and outside of the universe. Consequently, the only person it hurts is us. And it creates a negative downward baseline attitude to which we approach life through every cynical lens that we can. And it's really sad. That is very sad. <laughs> I mean, it's just more like self-harm in more yeah. in any way. It's like you are inflicting more harm on yourself by adopting these views and, you know, yeah. quote unquote, punishing God. You're just punishing yourself. You're punishing yourself. Though. Yeah. And you're thinking in a way and what people don't realize is that they're angry and they're upset because they were taught to think a certain way. And very few people ever stop and th say, Hmm, maybe I ought to challenge my assumptions. Maybe I ought to challenge the way I am thinking. Right. Well, talk to me a little bit about how society contributes to the development of a negative attitude. Be really specific. Well, like, let's go through the list that Paul laid out in chapter two here, the second half. And that is, he says, uh, work out your salvation, fear and trembling. So if you do not take your faith seriously, then you're buying into a way of thinking. There's no reason for your existence. There, there's no meaningful purpose for your life. Consequently, your own narrative and your own truth is ultimately irrelevant. And you know that in your soul of souls. So why try? See, th that's how you end up in a very negative baseline attitude is when you believe like, well, you know, if I want to believe in God, that's fine. If I don't, that's fine. Uh, but you know, my truth is the most important truth. My narrative is the most important narrative. But in the end, people don't understand the assumption that you're making. And the assumption is, is that, well, if I can make my truth the most important thing, then I know deep in my soul that my truth is irrelevant to me. Right. Number two, ignoring that God is at work within you. You know, this way of thinking says in our culture says, look, if you want to believe in God, that's cool. You can do whatever you want. You know, it's, it's kind of like, well, if you like hamburgers as opposed to cheeseburgers, that's cool. Whatever floats your boat. But just don't ever think that God is actually at work in you. You see, because that is extremely criticized in our culture today. 
people like uh, Bill Maher on, on HBO, uh, a lot of different comedians, uh, a lot of different people in our society really, really take an extremely dim view of that. And the reason why is because if you think that God is actively working in your life, their position is you're a nutcase and that's going to influence your decision making. OK, right. so what that does is for people who do believe in God, they, they have a uh, kind of a barrier to believing that. Right. For instance, in Australia, about three years ago, they elected a new prime minister. OK, he just so happens to be a person who follows Jesus and he attends his local church on a regular basis. Now, throughout his entire political career, he when he's in, you know, parliament and stuff, his arguments and his his, uh, uh, you know, things that he wants to hit the laws and the principles on which he wants to govern by, blah, blah, blah. He postulates those. And he always argues from uh, the perspective of politics. He never quotes the Bible or uses God. He just has never done that. Right. And that's right. probably one of the reasons why everybody elected him. Uh, he's a man of conviction. Well, one of his opponents in Parliament said, look, it's fine as that he, he's a Christian as long as he doesn't bring it into the Parliament. Because Australia was founded as a secular society. And in America, you hear that a lot. America is a secular society. But in reality, that is ignorance of history. And that is just not true. And the PM answered that he was wrong. Australia was not founded as a secular society. It was a, it was a society founded with freedom of religion. And that means everywhere, including the parliament. Right. And so what, what that is, is that is that we who believe in God have been convinced somehow that embracing that God has a great purpose in working in my life and transforming me is somehow negative. And so what has happened is if I ignore that, then I will fight against it. And on Tuesday, we kind of talked a little bit about the difference between, uh, you know, I'd come home, my kids would run into my arms and then it was time to go to bed They'd play, you know, that dead man. They'd go limp, and you'd have to drag them up into bed. Sack of potatoes. Yeah, you know, it's just really hard to pick up dead weight. It's just really, really hard. It's it's kind of like that. So negative attitudes are developed when you ignore that God is at work within you. You want to embrace that fully. Number three, grumbling and complaining. The number one way to have a negative experience each day is just become a complainer. Just complain. Nothing is working out. Because at its core complaining has a premise and you know what that premise is the universe exists for my pleasure mm. so if you complain and grumble then you're going to get what you want <laughs> does that ever work for you nope never has <laughs> and so that's really important is grumbling and complaining and that is the antithesis of gratitude and all research says that people who practice gratitude are some of the happiest people out there mm. The, the next one on the list was this, arguing and disputing. He says, stay away from it. When you get in fights and you get in arguments, you know, constantly, it's not good, especially when you're arguing and fighting with the people around you that you're closest to, you know, say, hey, we need to be at peace. Now, you, you don't need to be, if, if you're around a person who's controlling and always needs to fight, that, that needs to be resolved. But picking fights and, and trying to get people to do what you want and arguing with them, bullying them, you are not going to be a happy person. You know, you're hurting yourself more than anybody else. And then it's interesting. The last two things on the list are this becoming overly friendly with the culture around you. And that means when I start to compromise and that is 
well, I don't really like the culture and where it's going, but I really enjoy these movies, so I'm going to go and see them. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm opposed to the watching of pornography in theory, you know, but boy, I get so excited and it really spices things up in the bedroom and it's kind of fun. So I'll compromise in that direction. Now, on the surface, what we think, the way that we've been taught to think is that uh, compromising is better than holding firm, right, mm -hmm. to your convictions. But the problem is, is this, is uh, the truth of the matter is, is when it comes to your moral center and if you want to be happy, then it's kind of like this. If you're overweight and you're trying to control what you eat and you compromise every single meal, what happens? You're going to stay at the weight that you're at. Yeah. Or gain or gain. <laughs> right. So if you want to get into shape and you want you want to be healthier. And so you compromise your workout every day and sleep in. What happens? Same thing. Same thing. You're out of shape. No, nothing ever changes. And the way that we think trains us towards that. So it's a really important to understand how becoming overly friendly with the culture around you is not a good thing. Because ultimately, it destroys your happiness and your joy. And then the final thing on the list is if we not hold firmly to the word of life. And what he's trying to say here is that, look, you want to be a happy person. If you really want to see your baseline go up of joy and walk in it every day, then you need to stop listening to what you're telling yourself and start listening to what God says about you and the truth of reality in the world you live in. Now, why do I say that? Because when I look back in my life, the worst moments of my life, the biggest regrets that I have all resolved around one thing, and that is deception. I was deceived. At the time, I felt like what I was doing or choosing to do was a good thing, or maybe it was the right thing, or if I did it, it wouldn't really matter in the long run. In other words, it wasn't essential or critical to my baseline attitude. Every single time I was wrong and my baseline attitude went down and joy was dissipated. I hate being deceived more than anything else. I hate being lied to. I hate people who deceive me. I hate people try to manipulate me. And worst off, I hate it when I deceive myself. Mm. Not many people will admit to that, that they do that, but we all do. And that's why I hold firmly to the word of life. You see, that's why you hold firmly to the word of life. Why do you think Paul calls it the word of life as opposed to the truth? Right. Right. Why does he call it the word of life? Because these truths, these words are all about life. The ultimate reality of what your life was meant to be. So holding firmly to them, listening to what God is saying, who I am in him and listening to what he says about me, then I am not deceiving myself and I'm not being deceived by the world around me. Hmm. Very strong. Well, these are really practical things to consider when we're removing things that pull down our baseline rather than just cutting people out or whatever. Mm -hmm. these, are, these are stronger um, truths to consider. How do we break free of the influence of these things that you just discussed? Well, I think there's a couple things. And number one, and this is real practical, and that is, is that you have to know Jesus in a redeemed relationship. 
So you need to be able to say, I just don't know about Jesus, but I know him personally. The illustration I used to use is this, is that oh, a few months back, uh, well, I guess it was over a year now, is that Garth Brooks came to Boise to do a concert, yeah. stadium concert. And it was so, it sold out so fast, they did two nights at the big stadium here. So We love our country here in they, Idaho. They love country music here. And so, and so he got out, and he ended up going to a donut shop, you know, that I go to. And if you're not aware of me, one of my weaknesses is donuts. I, I have an, a, too strong of an affinity for donuts. going to be honest, over a year of knowing you, I did not know you had a strong affinity for donuts. Well, I try to stay away so from next, donuts. Next because... time I need to suck up to you is uh, <laughs> donuts are my offering I bring. There you go. Because if I eat donuts, I look like a donut. Um, but... But anyway, I just he's he's going to this donut shop, you know, and I mean, I would notice Garth Brooks in a picture. I would notice him from probably 50 yards away. Right. Right. I would go. That's Garth Brooks. Right. And of course, the entourage walking around him. I know a lot about Garth Brooks, you know, I know, you know, listen to a lot of his songs over the years. I know about his life. Um, I actually in Wichita was uh, discipling a guy who went to high school with Garth Brooks and was really good friends with the Garth Brooks. Oh, wow. So I heard stories. I know all that stuff. So I know all the stories about Garth Brooks. Um, uh, you know, I knew who his first wife was. I knew that he got divorced and he has kids. I know a lot about Garth Brooks. So how appropriate would it be for me seeing him at that donut shop in Boise, run up to him and give him a slap on the back and say, Hey Garth, how's it going? What's happening? You know, how's things working out with Tricia? You know, oh, is your kid graduated from high school yet? How good would that go for me? Probably not great. Why is that? I think the entourage would probably tackle you. <laughs> and why would you they don't tackle know me? him? Yeah, because I know him, but he doesn't know no. me. Yeah. And nobody in the entourage knows me. And so many people approach Jesus this way. They're under the illusion that I know Jesus because I know a whole lot about him. I know when he was born. I know his mom's name. I know his dad's name. I know when he lived. I know some I know of his stuff. <laughs> I know his friends. You know, all of his apostles and his tribe. And I know this. And I know that. I know this. And the, the thing is, is that, number one, the way to be free from the influence of these things and see your joy go up is to start with, does Jesus know me? Hmm. Have I ever knocked on his door and had him answer? Because Jesus said, if you seek you will find if you ask you will be answered if you knock i will open the door unto you and that's why he says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes unto the father except through me so you must know me personally so that's step one um you can go to our website and download a book how to connect to jesus or how to know him personally but it's called how to connect to jesus it's free for anybody anywhere in the world and you can download that book and you can go through it because it just shows you how you can experience jesus personally yourself but the second thing is that I think really important is we have to understand this way of thinking, how postmodernism influences us, and particularly how uh, the Frankfurt School of Social Theory has come in and how Marxism really does influence us in a lot of different ways. And in Marxism, they have a thing called cultural hege hegemony or hegemony, and it comes from the Greek word uh, hegemon, which means leader. And what it what it basically is, is culturally, there's a group of people who are trying to dominate the culture and say what's appropriate and what's not. And the goal is, is to be able to determine what's allowed and what's not on a cultural level. And that's why cancel culture is such a big 
deal. And what's interesting is that cancel culture has been around for thousands of years. People aren't aware of it, but it's always been around. And historically, there have been a number of different ways that Satan has created a cultural vibe or a hegemony, a cancel culture that undermines the development of a healthy, joyful attitude. You, you just go back. You can go back 100 years and you can look at uh, communist Russia and the Bolshevik Revolution. They, they had a massive cancel culture. And what they, they did is anybody who didn't abide by what their verbiage, they sent to a gulag. You look at the other swing the pendulum the other way. You look at Nazi fascism. Exactly the same thing, you know. Uh, there's a story, uh, uh, back to the communist story, there's a story of when uh, one of the early founders got up and spoke, everybody stood up and clapped, right? Right. But everybody was afraid who would be the first one to stop clapping. So this just clapping went on for five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes. Oh, my gosh. Right? Forty-five minutes. Eventually, one guy was like, this is ridiculous. And so... He stopped clapping. Everybody else stopped clapping and then sat down. They arrested him and his family and sent him to a gulag. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's how that works. So so these things are, are common out there, and Satan has used them. And we can just go back to the last, you know, 100 years and see what's going on. And But I think the thing is, is that instead of trying to change the culture, what we do is that instead of getting angry at what cancel culture is trying to do, right, and then try to force our attitude on it, what we can do is we can focus on what we can do internally. And so I wish I knew who this person was. I can't, I, I don't know who wrote this, but somebody wrote an article about if you want to be happy, give up these 15 things. And okay. I thought, oh, well, that's kind of insightful. And one of the things was this, is give up your need to always be right. Hmm. You know, Number two, give up your need for control. Number three, give up on blame. Stop blaming others for what you have or don't have or what you feel or don't feel. Don't give your power away and start taking responsibility for your own life. Number four, give up your self-defeating talk. And this is what I mean when I say stop listening to yourself and start listening to God. Um, number five, give up your limiting beliefs. You know, God is to will and to work in you for his good pleasure. So stop thinking things that limit God's work within you and open them up. And then he says this, give up complaining and give up the luxury of criticism. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. <laughs> so he goes on to say, give up your need to impress others. Give up your resistance to change. Give up labeling. Give up categorizing or stereotyping people or yourself. Give up your fears. Give up your excuses. Give up your past give up too much attachment and give up living your life to other people's expectations. You should live your life for God's will and work in you for his good pleasure. And I think those are the ways in which you can see your baseline attitude become perpetual joy. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all those ways to uh, start singing the happy song. The for happy. Us. Pharrell would be... <laughs> Pharrell would be very pleased with uh, these things that could make us happy. And ultimately, they're all available to us in the scripture, um, as we've been talking about. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, please join us on Sunday as we 
um, talk more about this passage in chapter 2 of Philippians. Pastor Doug will be preaching this Sunday here at Foothills. Um, you can find that online or come join us in person. We are mm-hmm. having on-campus services, and we will see you next Tuesday for another episode of The Salty Pastor. <laughs> Blessings, everyone.